ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, comic book fans of all ages, and anyone interested in geek news and pop culture news, you've come to the right place. This is the Vigilant Geek Podcast. My name is Andrew Puzak of Vigilant Geek Media, and with me, as always, is my comic book partner in crime. Oh, hold an arm. Hey, everybody. Who's also hard at work day to day bringing you the top geek in pop culture breaking news every day or once a week on this podcast at least <laughs> at least <laughs> um no but we got a, a very special uh very different uh podcast uh for you guys this week we have decided to count down our official vigilant geek top 10 greatest villains in comic books so, uh, you know, there's so many villains out there to choose from that, uh, you know, it, it is hard compiling these lists. Uh, I do want to mention just some honorable mentions, you know, some guys that didn't make the list, but, you know, are definitely top villains. Uh, people like Dr. Doom, people like Sinestro, who is very close. He, he, he probably should have been on the list, but, you know, once again, there's just so many villains out there. Uh, the Riddler. The Penguin, both, you know, e- extremely awesome villains that just didn't make the list. Also, Apocalypse from X-Men, powerful, powerful mutant, powerful villain, didn't make the list. And uh, Gorilla Grodd from The Flash as well. Now, um, we also decided to disclude um, some of the cosmic entities that are out there and, and demigods. I feel like they're in their separate, you know, their own separate kind of category in a way. Yeah, you got kind of... Different tiers of villains. You got your, you got your basic jobbers. That would be like your base. There are awful lot of them. Like purse snatchers, the normal fare that say a daredevil or a spider-man would take care like, of. Like, like stilt man, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like, like, uh, the frog. Yeah, the frog, leapfrog, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and then, and then after that you get your, uh, more heavy hitters, um, more your mid-range villains. Like your uh, Doc Dooms, actually Doc Doom. He's a he's kind of one of those main event villains. He's a main eventer, yeah. He's a main eventer. Um, he's almost so powerful that he you need more than one superhero to fight him. But but the ones that you discluded, the, the, these type of cosmic entities, these like, like you need the entire hero roster and to do in order to defeat this one character. Yeah, like a Thanos or a Dark Side or a Galactus or an Anti Monitor or what have you. Yeah, I mean, and we did. We were thinking about putting Thanos and Dark Side on the list. Um, they're too powerful. The they're out. Yes, but with the, with the with the way things are, you could probably dominate a list entirely with Batman Rogues Gallery and Superman Rogues Gallery. So for the sake of uh, variety, and we're trying to really uh, with this list, we're trying to more along the lines just take the the top ones from certain heroes rogues galleries. Um, there are some repeats from different rogues galleries, but some villains are just so uh, impressive and 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 top and list worthy that and, they gotta and, be on there and colorful. Very colorful. <laughs> I mean, just look at what they're wearing. Well, we'll we won't uh, hold off the list any further. So let's start with number ten, which is actually a valiant villain, uh, Master Dark. 
Right. So, a lot of people probably not too uh, familiar with the Valiant universe. Um, there were definitely some good villains to choose from from there. I felt they needed to be represented. Um, we eventually decided on Master Dark simply because of the scale of how evil he really is. He's this necromancer from this other plane of existence called uh, Deadside. And what he did was... Uh, he, he found the new Geomancer on Earth, and he went and used the Geomancer in order to take control over things on Earth. Now, now I, I hate... Oh, you actually are kind of explaining it. I, the last thing I want to do is cut in on you, but I was just going to say, we're going to have to explain what the Geomancer actually is. Yeah, so, ge- so a Geomancer... Which you are. <laughs> ...within the Valiant Universe is... Uh, I'll shut up. ...is a character that uh, their job is to speak for the earth so they can like make the birds and the trees and the ground and just manipulate everything. And and, and anyways, Master Dark's plan was to make everything dead because he's a necromancer and he can control the dead. So if he uses his power over the living to kill them all, all of a sudden he's big man on campus in charge and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, so his, his motivation's particular. Plus he's a very powerful villain, kind of a really dark sorcerer, necromancer type. So that's uh, number 10, Master Dark. Very good, very good choice. Um, yeah, I really liked the book of deck, the book of deck. Why can't I talk today? Uh, the book of death arc, uh, which Master Dark was really showcased in that, that just concluded a, a few months ago. And, uh, you know, it was, it was really something. Um, I felt that he was defeated a little too quickly by the Geomancer. Um, which didn't quite do the good master justice. But, um, you know, when you have a story with a necromancer and a geomancer, for that matter, you have the p- endless, endless possibilities of drawing amazing spreads of artwork. And uh, that was what was really showcased in Book of Death. Uh, amazing artwork, uh, amazing storyline. Uh, Robert Vendetti... I believe did that. Yes, he did do Book of Death. Yeah, yeah. He's he's been on fire for a while now between his work in Valiant and then he's got the Flash. And he's doing a good job with Green Lantern too, with you know, making you know Hal Jordan uh face all sorts of different types of adversity going rogue. So yeah, um Number 10, Master Dark. Um, so that leads us to number 9. We want to talk about colorful characters. Well, one character that might be more colorful than them all is probably Magneto. Magneto at number 9. Um... Very powerful character, um, certainly has been trying to uh, fight for mutant rights in different ways. He's almost like a like he's he's, he's a, a civil rights activist, but he's also a terrorist. Yeah, and- I think when when uh, Stan originally uh, created the X Men, he was modeling uh, Xavier and Magneto after. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X. Like, sort of like Ma- uh, Magneto kind of taking the role of Malcolm X. Right, he's the the more militant of exactly. the Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, it certainly works. 
Like, part of me wonders whether or not he should even be on lists like this sometimes, but he's done a lot of pretty terrible things. Oh, yeah. So, so it warrants it there, but it's almost like it's, it's like misguided a little bit. Cause like, in, in, if the circumstances were a little bit different, like, he would be a, a leader of a, a, a social group. Certainly. Certainly, but, uh, you know, he is, you know, due to the circumstances the way they are, he is a murdering psychopath, so he, uh, he's our number nine. Uh, number eight, we have another X-Men villain in Mystique. Oh, uh, yeah. Mystique is just, I don't know what it is about shapeshifters, but just the ability to take on another person's appearance causes so much chaos. Big time. Big time. I mean, you could like have like bomb threats within the books or cosmic entities and stuff, and it still doesn't cause half as much turmoil as when she goes, pretends to look like somebody else, goes and talks to somebody, says some things. That usually she, a politician or something. Yeah, yeah, usually something else. She ends up manipulating people incredibly easy. People end up getting upset, losing their mind. Uh, plus, she's always like, wicked easy to infiltrate stuff. Like, just terrible for security. She could steal pretty much anything. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's uh, I don't know. She definitely deserves to be on this list. Oh, absolutely. She is one trifling bitch. <laughs> Mystique number eight. So, um, you know, we we went over uh, a couple X Men villains. Now I'd like to talk about probably my favorite Spider-Man villain uh in number 7 which is Dr. Octopus Doc Ock. Yeah, Spider-Man uh, like he's got such a good rogues gallery that it's it, r- it really is kind of hard to choose. Um jeez, I mean I mean there's even uh, some characters that didn't uh didn't even make the list. I mean one day, me and you might be able to just go ahead and make a list simply with just Spider-Man's Rogues Gallery. Oh, easily. He's got he's got so many, and they're all pretty damn dangerous. Some of them are just silly, um, but but they are all dangerous in their own way. Doc Ock is without a doubt the uh, uh, intellectual uh, challenge to Spider-Man. He. Uh, was you know a, a big time uh, physicist that Peter Parker had looked up to growing up, and you know uh, through uh, his endeavors in science, and after a fateful accident, uh, Octavius ends up having you know of course the uh, the sentient arms attached to him, uh, making him go crazy. And, you know, he's one of those villains that, due to his extraordinary intelligence, he's just always giving Spider-Man fits. Uh, so, that's why I like to put him on the list. You know, he's just, you know when Doc Ock's involved, he's not just dangerous in a physical sense, but very much so in an intellectual sense. Uh, which makes him all that more dangerous to begin with. So... Yeah, Spider-Man's got some crazy ones, though. Enormous, enormous uh, rogues gallery. And then uh, that's not even the only um, villain that's even from Spider-Man's rogues gallery within the uh, on the list. Well, yeah, we got we got one more. Um, well, 
We got one more at uh, number three. But, uh, well, I guess if, if you count Kingpin at number five, but we haven't gotten there yet. Um, we can, let's talk number six. Let's do it. Uh, number six, we chose Reverse Flash, Professor Zoom. Yeah. And if you, if you've read Flashpoint or if you've been uh, keeping up with the, the Flash book lately, you, you can understand why he would be. He, he has, um, his ability allows him to slow down time around him. It doesn't make him necessarily faster. Right. So, but he's, he's, for some reason, he's got this huge beef with the Flash. He's always trying to ruin Flash's life. Uh, he had direct involvement in the murder of Barry Allen's mother. And he's just an incredibly hard opponent. And just, he always does things that just like, that just like, would just sting a person, you know? Like all these terrible things that he did to Barry Allen. No, he really goes for the jugular, you know? I mean, you kill someone's mother, first of all, you know, that's, that's pretty hardcore. <laughs> I mean, I think the only thing that might top that would be when Black Manta killed Aquaman's baby. But even still, that's, it's a roll of the die there. I know. Well, plus the insanity and the fact that, like, he's from, like, year 3000. And, like, for some reason, the Flash has ruined his life somehow. And he's mad at him. Yeah. So he has to go all the way back in time. And he's always, you know, his his big, you know, claim is that the the Flash is the real enemy. He's the real villain. You just wait and see what happens in the future. I don't know if he believes that or if that's what he's using, what he's just saying to manipulate everybody around him. Yeah, we're not sure because we, we haven't found out really, like, what the hell happens in the future. Um, So we don't know. That's sort of like one of the cool things about the Flash, but you know, definitely a monumental villain, monumental uh, arch nemesis. You know, you talk about somebody who can uh, give the Flash fits. I mean, you got Captain Cold who can freeze things, which stops them in time, suspends them in time. Yeah, it's not just Cole. He's the master of absolute zero. Absolute zero, which is sort of the opposite of, of super speed. Yep, because that's the point where molecules stop moving. Right. This is sort of a little different where, you know, reverse flash, he can he, he can manipulate time and space to his whim. So, you know, what are you going to do against someone like that? And uh, it really does see if you can control someone who can always just go back in time and like, and like learn from their mistakes over and over again. It seems like quite a daunting task. It seems exhausting. You're like <laughs> you're just you're just destined for failure. Yeah, big time. Uh, so this brings us to number five. Uh, we chose the Kingpin, Wilson Fisk. And, uh, uh, he's a uh, he's a very solid number five. Yeah, yeah, easily. And the, the, ni- the nice thing about the Kingpin is even though he's very much the main villain for Daredevil, Kingpin has also had a lot of history involved with Spider-Man as well. Big time, yeah. Um, very much a uh, very large, very powerful figure, but cut out of the mold of the uh, original organized crime gangster. 
He sort of, yeah, exactly. And he, he sort of, uh, rules over everything from the shadows. You know, uh, eventually Daredevil outs Wilson Fisk as the kingpin. Uh, you know, a good example of that would be if you saw Daredevil, uh, season one and you saw, uh, the final episode. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's scary because of the power he holds, uh, financially and then because of his finances you know socially as well uh you know wilson fisk comes across as this humanitarian you know uh he's always donating money and what have you but behind the scenes he's really the one controlling all of the criminal activity in hell's kitchen in new york city so uh you know you have you have somebody sort of hiding in plain sight there, uh, and because of all that, because of the freedom he has in doing that, uh, Fisk certainly runs amok. Well, he pretty much bought everybody off, like in the, in the show, and then I'm pretty sure in the books too. He's got everybody in his pocket, and and it's just when you people get to, into a seat of power like that, it's it's. Hard to uh, comprehend a way to uh, remove someone. So no, absolutely. So this brings us to number four. Ooh, getting up there, getting up there on that list. <coughs> <coughs> oh, excuse me. Oh, still getting over a cold. Oh. I got this throat thing going on. Sorry, sorry. My apologies. Number four, we have one of uh, the most iconic Batman villains uh, to date. Uh, one of the most uh, game-changing villains. You know every time he pops up in a story arc, it's going to be something incredible. Uh, Raz al Ghul. Raz is... Um one of the more iconic characters. He's another man with limitless resources. Uh, uh, also immortal for the most part. Because uh, of his Lazarus because pit. Because of the Lazarus pits. Man with a lot of experience, a lot of resources. He's got a lot of knowledge and, and, and that's the kind of person that Batman almost is himself, making him an incredible match for him. Because every time Batman ends up involved with Ra's al Ghul, like, he always ends up giving him fits. And as a matter of fact, I think still to this date, I don't think every time Batman defeats Ra's al Ghul, he never ends up getting Ra's al Ghul locked up. Ra's always ends up escaping every time, because Batman can defeat him and stop him from his goal, but he, he doesn't have enough power or, or, or skill to completely, um, just restrain and, and, and capture Ra's al Ghul. It's just, it just never happens. Yeah, well, you know, you talk about the leader of the League of Assassins, you know, uh, a big part of what they preach is the elusiveness and the sort of uh, guerrilla warfare type nature of these uh, ninja assassins. Uh, you know, they're sort of like what the hand is to Marvel in a way. Uh, the ninjas of the, of the whole DCU, uh, with Raz at the front. So, 
Um, he's very slippery when need be, and he can, he can get out of, you know, almost any situation as well. But very much Batman's equal in regards to fighting, in regards to intellect. And he even was the, the person who dubbed Bruce Wayne the detective. If you, if you read a Ra's al Ghul arc, or you, uh, you know, maybe watch the cartoons or whatever. He always refers to him as the detective because he's, you know, he admires the way Batman can deduct a certain, uh, crime and, 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 you know, that intellect is something that Roz wants for his heir. And he wants Bruce Wayne to be the heir to the demon's head and, uh, run the League of Assassins. Of course, Batman, Bruce Wayne, has a very uh, strict moral compass. He doesn't agree with how they operate and wants no part of it. But that's, you know, the initial uh, clash between those two titans. And it goes, you know, all throughout Batman folklore, you know, from that point forward uh, to the point where <clears throat> Raz's daughter Talia al Ghul has a relationship with him, drugs him, and uh obviously that's how they have Damien and what have you. So there's a whole big history there. Um but it all starts with that, you know, Raz admires the Dark Knight so much so that he really he he tries to, you know, get him to 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 be, to agree to be his heir. So that's what starts the fits. All right. Well, this leads us to our top three. Oh, man. This is exciting. Top three here. Big. This is a big deal. Uh, at number three, we have the Green Goblin. Now, this would be my favorite uh, Spider-Man villain. Norman Osborn, yeah. The, <clears throat> the thing is, is just that this character... The Green Goblin. All the other villains can be running around doing their own thing, but as soon as he shows up, everything the other villains tries try to do is just completely tossed to the side. Green Goblin is strategically and technologically just smarter than everybody else. For some reason, he always knows what you're trying to do, and he always finds a way to spoil it. Um, plus, with his hist- long history with Spider-Man... The death of this Gwen Stacy and her father and, and everything involved with the Green Goblin with that. It just, uh, it just, it just, he's, I'm speechless. Clearly. Look at him. Listen to me. I'm babbling. Um, but no, he's, he's probably one of the toughest Spider-Man villains there is. Cause Spidey always has fits when he ends up dealing with the Green Goblin. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Norman Osborn is certainly, uh, certainly a very, very prominent arch nemesis for Peter Park. So. And, uh, yeah, he's just, I don't know, just between firepower and everything, he just seems like he always has a way. Like, uh, great examples on, uh, when Dan Slott did the Superior Spider-Man arc. Uh, Dr. Oh, Octopus yeah. thought he had everything figured out and he's a genius and he's going to be Spider-Man only better. But because Dr. Octopus's problem is, is that he's his hubris and his ego get in the way all the time. And the Green Goblin goes ahead and he sneaks in and he finds a way to hack the equipment. 
Because, like, not only is he going to pumpkin bomb you, but he can also hack computers and do all sorts of sneaky things. Oh, yeah. I mean, being a CEO of a big tech co- company or a big biotech company, either way, uh, you know, that that's going to have the kind of perks that a supervillain could certainly use, certainly utilize. So, number three, Green Goblin. All right. So, this leaves us the big two. Um, they're not going to be very surprising, but they are certainly fun to talk about. Mm-hmm. Number two, we have Alexander Luther, right. Lex Luther, and absolutely belongs towards the top of this list. Um, he's kind of the opposite of Superman in every way. Well, in most ways. Um, I think Lex hates Superman mostly because if, if, uh, Superman didn't exist, he would be the most powerful, most intelligent man on the planet. Oh yeah. But since this alien showed up, now he's just number two because there's an alien and that just totally drives him nuts. And, but Lex Luthor is so many different ways. He just, uh, he can manipulate things politically. He's a... His his genius level intellect is probably tops in the DCU, so he knows how to make any number of different doomsday machines and everything else. Or viruses. And, uh, and all in all, man, I mean, just, he, he's just, you, he's the number one Superman villain. Out of everybody in the rogues gallery, out of all these other aliens and most powerful, uh, other Kryptonians, Exod and everything, like, if you had, if you still had to pick, uh, who do you think of when you think of a Superman villain? It's going to be Lex Luthor every time. Oh, without a doubt. Um, you know, he's got this complex, like you said, where, you know, he has to be better than, he has to show everyone that he's better than Superman just because Superman exists. And it's like, exactly, what the hell? If it wasn't for him, I'd be the best. And he's so fixated on that, that, you know, if 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 he wasn't fixated on that, he could probably be, you know, successful and happy. And well, I mean, he, he's certainly successful in his own right, on his own with you know LexCorp or whatever. But I suppose he could do a lot of good, you know, if if he wasn't so fixated on this. Well, I'm sure a guy like that could probably cure any number of diseases and everything else. But on top of being a scientist, he's also a ruthless businessman. Oh yeah. So. And uh, you know, there's even been story arcs where, you know, Luther has tried to show up Superman by doing this or that, you know, uh it's even one time where he gets you know, if you if you uh watch the public enemies animated feature, he re- he gets elected president and then tries to blame this meteorite that's coming towards Earth, blaming that on Superman and he has him arrested and locked up and all this stuff. Eventually, Superman, you know, of course, thwarts the meteorite and this and that. Batman's there. Oh, I remember, mm-hmm. yeah, no, Batman flies a giant robot that has, like, that robot looks like a cross between Batman and Superman into the meteor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I saw that a couple weeks ago. It's was, it was decent. Yeah, I like it. I just like what a jerk Luther is in that. Oh yeah, no, he's just shooting himself up with uh, steroids laced with kryptonite. Yeah, 
He's always got something tricky up his sleeve, that's for sure. Uh, Luther, Luther always has an ace of spades up his sleeve. No, he's always, he's got, he's, he's playing a million different angles at once. And then there's another guy that likes to do that too. Our number one. Ooh! Well, if you read comics, you shouldn't be surprised with the number one. Let her rip, Andrew. Maybe the funniest villain out there. In all of comics, he's entertained us for years and put smiles on all of our faces. Uh, the clown prince of crime himself? <laughs> the Joker. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those situations where the simplest answer is, uh, also, probably yeah. the right one. <laughs> also the correct answer, yeah. Yeah, out of anybody, uh, the Joker's probably caused more catastrophic situations than anybody else on this list. Easily. Uh, he's done it with, the simply just being nuts. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't really have any powers to speak of. Um, he's just, Un, unhinged. And he, he just finds ways to just poison people, makes his own gas, uh, nuclear threats, uh, up and down and all over the place. And he's always playing these, these games like a, like a horror, like a, a horror character. Oh he's yeah. Like, hey bats, wanna play a game? Yeah, it's, it's, everything's a game to, to him. Although I kinda like what, uh, Scott Snyder has done recently where, you know, He's got Bruce thinking that, you know, he's not as crazy as everyone thinks he is, you know, the Joker. You know, the Joker is just evil. He's just an evil SOB. Um, so it's an, in- it's an interesting way of thinking of it because for so long fans have thought like, oh, you know, the Joker is just out of his mind and he just wants to see chaos and destruction for the sake of it. And then, you know, there's this new theory, sort of, where, no, he's just evil, and he wants to see, like, Batman in complete, complete anguish. Wow. Blech. He wants to see Batman in complete despair. Um, so, maybe, maybe that's been the truth the whole, the whole time. You know, you sort of find out that whoever the Joker really is, he knows a hell of a lot about Bruce Wayne. And Bruce Wayne knows next to nothing about the Joker still after all these years. And it's a very frightening thing to, you know, conclude. Like, hey, you know, I know nothing about my arch enemy. He knows just about everything about me. You know? He knows who killed my parents. He knows that I'm Batman. He knows who all uh, my sidekicks were and are... He knows who my son is. He knows everything. He's been in the Batcave. There's proof of that. Yeah, and it's probably easily the biggest rivalry on the list too, Batman and Joker. Well, it's 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 like you know, it's it's it's, it's order versus chaos. Yeah, it's Bat- kind of biblical. It's like uh, good versus evil, order it, versus chaos. It, it's good versus evil, but like Batman versus Joker definitely represents order versus chaos to me. Uh, more so than anything else. Um, and it's, it's kind of cool. It's cool to think about. And right now in Batman Europa, they have to work together because they're both infected with a virus that's killing them and they have to find who created it and how to get an antidote before it kills them. So it's like order and chaos combined 
have to work together, don't have a choice, and uh, yeah, we'll see how great that turns out. So lots of fun things you can do with a character like that. Uh, somebody who uh, <clears throat> has no real grasp of any sort of societal constraints whatsoever. Uh, just kind of plays by his own game, plays by his own rules. And everything is a game. Up until Endgame, it seemed, anyways. Endgame was sort of meant to be the final game, I think. We'll see. The, yeah, well, I guess, uh, the, the Gordon arc is called Super Heavy. Yeah. And, uh, I believe that they're going to conclude that, uh, at number 50. And then I think Greg Capullo is going to take a sabbatical from Batman for a little bit. And then I don't know who's going to be doing the drawing the book after that. Yeah, they haven't announced anybody, I don't think. 50 books, though, is a long run. That's a long run. So the Scott and Snyder and Greg Capullo have been on it for, for that long. Like 50 books. It's... I mean, they've pretty much <clears throat> made themselves uh, the concrete definitive batman creative team uh for for this generation easily easily yeah i'm just i don't know i'm a little nervous about it because even people when they love what they're doing sometimes people just need a little change of pace so if that happens that means we're going to get a new creative team for batman and for i for the life of me can't think of anyone who really deserves to write the book right now well, write or even just work on the book in general. Yeah, uh. I mean, I'm sure they're out there. I'm sure they'll find someone. Uh, we'll all poo poo it and then, and then like first three issues or whatever, it'll either be really good or it'll be really bad because there's no in between. I think mediocrity in a Batman story is almost worse than something that's bad. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like you get your shot to go ahead and like get the keys to this like rare and beautiful car and, and then you go ahead and then you, you you don't know how to drive it and then you ruin the transmission and then the next thing you know your comic book's not very good and this metaphor ends up falling apart. I think everyone understood what you meant though. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway. Well, there you have it folks. Uh th- these are our our hand-picked top 10 greatest comic book villains of all time. We'd like to thank you all for uh, joining us here this week for this special countdown. Uh, my name is Andrew Puzak of Vigilant Geek Media, and with me, as always, is my comic book partner in crime, Holden Orm of Vigilant Geek Media. And remember to always stay, stay vigilant. vigilant.